Welcome to OpenTheCan.ZW, where we explore the humanity in Christianity, which is not only exciting because it rhymes and we love that here, but more so because it's just generally a long overdue conversation. Today, we're joined by Kuzia Kwashe, which is spelled K-U-Z-I-Y-A-K-W-A-S-H-E. Okay, I got it right this time. That's good. <laughs> so what does Kuzia Kwashe mean? Okay, because means um, the knowledge of God or that God knows. Originally, my name was supposed to be Anusia, which basically means the same thing. But in my life, it kind of means God's will. So everything is kind of beyond our control, and we really can't change anything. So it just means it's God's will. Kuzia Kwashe. That, that, that's, that's a good thing to keep your faith in, you know, just this understanding that my life is an autopilot. So if anything goes wrong, I can go to God and be like, right, by the way, <laughs> this is not this is not working. You need to do something. You need to fix a thing. Anyways, so today we are going to be discussing Chigai, right? Which is spelled C-H-I-G-U-I, just quite literally Chigai. How would you define Chigai? Okay, so Chigai is basically being street smart. So it's like in Zimbabwe, we don't really have legal ways of doing things we always find a way to like break the protocol so like having like the chikai mentality is knowing how to get what you want quickly and by breaking the protocol okay okay that's actually that's a beautiful definition and i suppose we can just get right into how you went about chikaiism as far as your journey with god because as having spoken to you prior you i'm sure you can you're definitely going to elaborate because, you know, that's what we're here for. But more that transition from Chigai getting things your way to more trusting in God. So I suppose the shift from Chigai to the peace and rest that comes in Kuzia Kwashe. That was clever. That was smart. I like that. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just uh, split it into two sections. So the life where you live getting what you want kind of looks like the life of a satisficer. So a satisficer is a person who pleases people, basically. So that's kind of the life that you live as a Christian. So you fool yourself by saying, well, life is just 70 to 80 years of doing what you want and getting what you want. But it's more than that. I'll get on to that later. So it's more of um, you please people because you know they're going to do something for you back rather than doing something because it's what God wants you to do. So what that looked like is you put people on a pedestal that they really don't deserve. So it's only a matter of time until those pillars fall in anyone's life. Because as I've experienced as a Christian, you can't be perfect because that's what the Bible teaches. So the people I put on pedestals in my life were my brother and my father. So when my brother started um, struggling with certain things, and he was always the guy I looked up to, right? So when he did something that didn't fit the steam I gave him, it kind of crumbled. And that's, I feel like that's such an exciting time to get to as a Christian, because for a very long time, there's this premise or this idea that, well, if someone is a Christian, 
they have everything organized, you know, in the morning, they have Holy Communion, they pray in tongues, even on their way to work, like, they're just this very perfect being, and then you see this person, like, I, I, I'd say your first real Christian experience, you see this person that genuinely has a heart after God, that genuinely does love God, and then they miss the plot, and you're like, ah, but but you love God and you miss the plot. What does that mean? So yeah, definitely get what you're saying. But please do go on. Okay, so from that we get onto like you fall into a downward spiral because if you base your life or your identity off other people and not God, it's bound to like fall into like a lot of things. So I was never really invested in like what I would say worldliness as far as I was concerned. But it wasn't that I was polluted by media and all this. And what we understand is a lot of battles that um, Christians these days face aren't because the world is now rotten, but because we're sinful and we're slaves to sin until we submit ourselves to God. Mm-hmm. So if you put that into context, if you look at um, the books of Genesis and Leviticus, when God... Um, is very angry with people for um, fornicating and sexual immorality, all that. We think living in the 21st century is something that's impossible because Mm -hmm. these sort of temptations are everywhere. Especially with the justification of, you know, the... I suppose you'd say how the media has been hypersexualized, like, well, you know, porn is different from nowadays because, like, in my case, I'm just trying to watch Kronisha legally because we don't have Hulia Sahase, but I still want to know what Zoe's doing. I still want to know what's going on in Aaron's life. And then all of a sudden, ah, Anna wants to talk to you, and you're like, who's Anna? And, you know, there it is right in front of you. So the justification of, well, sin is a bit more difficult to deal with nowadays because of access or technology or whatever it is. But, you know, I I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I know you have some views on this, so please do share with us in our little corner of the pulpit. Okay, so it develops a victim mentality in a lot of people. And as a Christian, that's very dangerous because... Or constantly at war with uh, elements of like the dark world. So what that looks like is kind of like if you think you're going to lose in the battle against sin, you're just going to give in. Like if you're playing a sport and you're playing hockey and you think the team is superior to you, you're probably going to let in a lot of goals because you're like, well, they're better than us anyway. So that's kind of how I lived my life for a while because I was like, well, I'm not living in biblical times when they didn't have Instagram. So it was, it looked really bad because you would give into a lot of temptations, a lot of sins. And that's kind of began my downward spiral. And it was only until um, I met a true Christian. So psychologically speaking, humans have a prattful effect. So that's how God designed us. You're supposed, you're inclined to go more to things that are imperfect because we're also imperfect. It's kind of how the Bible describes Jesus's feeling emotions and generally being human so that we don't put him on a pedestal that we can't then reach. Mm. So that's kind of how um, I then started being intentional about my faith. I met a real Christian with real problems who actually had red blood and not this gold blood that I was <laughs> imagining other Christians had. And just to catch you on that one, I know one of my favorite Bible verses, especially when I was quite new to my faith, is it's probably a sermon in Matthew. And 
it must have been the disciples and some people that were talking to Jesus. And Jesus was like, and I love it. His response was, are you still without sense? And when I saw it, I was like, ah, Jesus was sarcastic, what? And it became a lot more relatable and tangible. We was like, ah, ah. So Jesus also got annoyed at people. He also looked at people and he's like, I don't know, man. These people can't be serious. These people honestly can't be serious. And I felt a lot more in that space. A lot more like Jesus was someone I could as well have access to. Like it was a life I could actually lead. So it is so important to have Christians and to have a very real and human approach to Jesus and be like, ah, sometimes, yeah, but we're here and we can do it. Okay, um, going on with the journey. So I then um, made a conscious effort to now start being intentional about my faith. So um, the mistake I made in that was I still thought it would be perfect and it would be easy. So the way that looked was at the start of my faith, it was more of I want to be perfect. So every time I messed up, I would feel as if I'm not worthy of the calling that I had from God. So it was kind of like I was still growing from my downward spiral where I thought I had to be perfect. So once I got rid of that and actually started reading the Bible, it was more of you're constantly a work in progress. The Bible describes it as maturing from um, milk to solid food. Just as how some people learn how to walk. God isn't some guy who's waiting for you to fall so he can strike you down when you're falling. That's not what God does. He's a loving father for his children. So that took me a long time to realize. So to transition truly from a place where you're a religious person who has um, a Bible verse in the Instagram bio, <laughs> to generally being someone out for God's heart, it's going to take a lot of thinking and a lot of intention. And talking about intention, just bouncing off what you said about having lost a lot, how exactly would you say that looked like? Because I suppose you didn't just gain this understanding or this mentality. To, in order to have gained, you need to have lost something. So please tell us more on that. Okay, so I went through a season because in my head, I wasn't the most humble person. I had a high esteem of myself. So it was like outwardly, I would be very humble and very modest. But in my head, I would be very cocky and very arrogant. So God needed to get that out of me because that's obviously bred to be religious and all that. So I went through a season where I literally lost everything. So God was trying to make sure that I was in love with him or I was out to serve him rather than the gifts that he gave me. So when I say everything, I literally mean everything. Like from my favorite soccer team losing every week. <laughs> like it was that type of bad. So I lost a lot of friendships. So I was in a very isolated place. So all those people I used to like beat over the head with the Bible, like, oh, you, you have problems because you don't pray. I struggled with a lot from depression, self-harm, a lot of temptations that I never thought I would have. So once I'd gone through that season where I literally had to gain perspective for everyone I used to judge in my head, is the place where I got to a point that I was like, Christianity isn't about being perfect. And it's not about winning each battle. It's about being out for God's heart in each battle and he will deliver you so that he gets the glory. And it's interesting in how you say that. So you judge people and you're like, you know what? 
you have depression, you struggle from this, eh, it's probably because you're not praying enough, right? And you're in this space where you're now juggling or dealing with all of these things, and you're like, huh, that's interesting. And I think in retrospect, looking at how in future and as much as you did have to humble yourself, and you know, knowing you, you are now <laughs> quite a humble person, you got to a place where then God uplifted you because last year you were... Everyone else calls it head boy, but you say captain. So I'm just I'm gonna say captain <laughs> for the sake of your peace. But you were captain or head boy. So how would you say that season prior to getting this responsibility or this role of leadership translated or manifested well or served you well in that season of leadership? Okay, so I'm gonna give a personal example of how that looked like. So I was in a season where I was losing everything. So I suddenly got an urge to start gardening. So I stumbled onto the verse in John, which talks about only the vines that are connected to Jesus are the ones which bear fruit. So there was this very beautiful fern that we had in our backyard. So my mom started cutting it down, or at least pruning it. So I didn't understand why she would cut down such a beautiful tree. So what she explained to me was that once it gets this big, it's not going to continue to bear the right fruit or the right, um, or the most beautiful flowers. So I felt that God was using that as symbolism to what I was. So I was now probably at the top of my, uh, I was at my prime in absolutely everything. So once I got pruned by losing absolutely everything that I had, is the time that I got to understand how I had to be a better leader because just because you've reached the apex of, all, of absolutely everything that you have in your life, it, you come to a point where it's either you're going to put yourself first instead of God. So that would be producing the rotten flowers or the flowers that are not the best. And once you only do things for God, that's when you produce the absolute best flowers. Mm, that, that's, that's honestly beautiful. So the main topic of this conversation is Chigai, which is more specifically, at least in this context, exploring the intersectionality of being a Christian guy, because you're 19, you know, birthdays after mine, so I'm older than you, just, just like a day older, but it's important that we note that here. <laughs> so how would you then say at, you know, 19 years old, being a Christian and before we the shift from being religious to being a man after God's own heart, how would you say that transition looks like? And what advice would you have given to a young Akuzia Kwashe as far as how to do this and, you know, how interesting it is? Well, the transition is really difficult is what I can say. But advice I would give to a young Akuzia is something that's, it said a lot, but I'm going to base it off the Bible. So it's a verse from Ecclesiastes 7. So it says, one who digs a hole will fall into it. So the advice I would give my younger self would be stop digging a lot of pits and stop trying to fill pits by digging more holes. So that was kind of the life I was living without God because without God, you're kind of like a headless chicken. You're <laughs> running around. And just because everything looks intact, you still need someone to guide your life. And that would be God. So what I was doing would be um, you think you're doing single acts that are well, they end there. Such as? Um, let's, let me give an example of if you constantly watch um, or look at films that are not very respectful to, let's say, women, or they're not very respectful to how you should talk to other people, how you should treat other people. So I got to a place where I didn't respect the women that I had in my life. Yes, I love my sister, and yes, I love my mom. 
but it got to a place where every other girl was not exactly human. It would just be she's female. So in being female with the pop culture that we um, expose ourselves to, it's becoming more of women were there to serve what you wanted. So I know that sounds bad, but even in relationships, it's now hard to value your own um, girlfriend or anything because you don't see her as another person, but you see her as something that's going to satisfy something that you have, maybe a need for intimacy or any other need that you may have. So that's what I would give, what, that's the advice I would give myself. So um, it now becomes, you have to be intentional about the things you take in because you get what you give, basically. So, and you are what you eat. So I had to now cut off a lot of friends and a lot of things I was taking in because they would ultimately change your viewpoint on a lot of things. That's, that's, I like that, especially the part on the intentionality of how you view women and treat women because, you know, I'm very big on that. <laughs> so what would you say has been, you know, very directly or more tangibly the shifts you've made or the allowances you make as, you know, chigai in the Christian setting as far as accommodating women or just being intentional with what you do and how it affects your view on women. Because I think that's a very important thing to highlight and maybe a whole different discussion. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, so that one, I'll base it off the greatest commandment. Of, it's how Jesus puts it. It's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you take it into a deeper context with um, like relational verses, it's more of you have to cater for the women in your life as yourself. Love them as Christ did, which is basically what we have to do. So with that, you have to um, start with small things like Instagram. So I have a rule that I'm not allowed to go on Instagram first thing in the morning or late at night, because at that time, you are not really on your guard. So you're probably likely to watch a show or to like open someone's um, Instagram profile and look at things that are very dehumanizing or belittle women in certain ways. And it starts with also how you take care of your own sister. I have a sister. She's older than me. So when I found out she had a boyfriend, it was more of the way this guy treats my sister is better than how I treat my sister. It's, it was warped from the view that I had from or the things that I was watching. So why I based it off the verse on love is because it now, like Chigai is basically getting what you want. So it's now putting everyone else at the same level as you. So not always going through the back door, but actually taking the right route, taking the harder route, because that's kind of the scheme of the world, isn't it? Take the shortest route to get what you want. But Christ took the longer route, denying himself of what he wanted. So it was now about making sure I was loving everyone in my life and making sure I wasn't taking in anything that would make that journey harder for me. That's absolutely excellent. Like, <laughs> I sound like a teacher, you know, excellent, <laughs> very good. But it really, it really was. And we are actually coming to the end of our discussion. So as we're rounding up, I suppose... A lot more intimately, what would you say is your favorite thing about God? Um, that's really hard because there is a lot. But I guess um, my favorite thing about God would be that he's loving. What the Bible says is the only two things we can draw about God from the Bible. So this is one of the Psalms from David. So it says the only two things we know about God is that he's loving and he is strong. So I added a third thing, which is he is wise. 
So like my name is. So if you split my name into two, it's Kuzia and Kwashi. So all my life I used to live as Kuzia, as an I was wise, so knowing. So that's how I got a big head with this whole thing. <laughs> but the last part of my name is something I recently put together in my name to live for God. So my favorite thing about God is he's always out to serve us to, because he loves us. And through that, we get to impact the lives of many other people. And because God is intentional and because God is strong about everything, he will give you peace and he'll fulfill you like the world never will. Because like the example I gave of running around like a headless chicken, once you have some sort of vision, your life will be complete. You never have to worry about the monotony of life or the meaning of life because you know who your life is for. And generally loving your brother and your sisters in Christ is generally something you can live for. It makes you look forward to this life. Because before that, I was living like, okay, I'm going to have 70 years on earth. All I have to do is not become a serial killer. And I would have, <laughs> as long as I don't murder, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. <laughs> yes. I would have achieved the true meaning of life. I'll enjoy myself and just don't kill people. But once you get the true meaning of life, and that's found in Jesus, and you live each day to glorify him, you truly have that purpose. Can we just take a second to appreciate that wordplay of Kuzia <laughs> plus Kwashi? And I suppose that's the end of our discussion. So I'm just, I'm going to bounce off that. You know, I'm just going to try some, some wordplay here. So if you want Kuzia more about Kwashi, check out our Instagram page <laughs> and our vlog. And all it is to open the can.zw. Thank you so much for your time and have a blessed week.